A payroll and HR company needs to be prepared for whatever is going to happen. You could say that over 70 years of experience helping businesses all over the world run smoothly is good preparation. But for ADP, that's not enough. To make sure millions of people are getting paid on time and in compliance, we're staying on top of each new piece of legislation. So when it comes down to it, ADP isn't just a payroll and HR company. We're the company that helps you navigate the complexities. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success. Build your brand optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Today's episode is a playback from Montgomery Community Media's Small Business Network, where I had an opportunity to interview a panel of thought leaders around strategies to recession-proof your small business. Let's listen in. So first up, I'd like to introduce you to Kaisha Houghton. She manages the Maryland Women's Business Center an SBA-certified women business resource that provides training and counseling services to women-owned enterprises, enabling them to start, sustain, and achieve scalable growth. Next up, we've got Roderick Johnson, a.k.a. Rod. He has over 30 years of experience in nonprofit board governance and commercial banking. He's currently a Lending Relations Small Business Development Center Project Officer for the U.S. Small Business Administration's District Office in Washington, D.C. Next, we have Greg Smith. He's worked at M&T for 15 years in various leadership roles in retail and business banking divisions. Currently, Greg and his team support the small business banking customers of 42 M&T branches located throughout Montgomery, Prince George's counties, as well as Washington, D.C. And last but not least, as CEO of Beyond, Lori Wiggins collaborates with small and mid-market company CEOs and business owners to quickly grow their companies. She's over 30 years of business, consulting, and technical expertise. Welcome, panel. So, first question, and it's the, the question that everyone has on their mind, why as the business community, should business owners be concerned about an economic downturn? So I'll throw it out to anyone. Who wants to pick it up? Don't all look so eager. (laughs) All right, well, I'll start first. We've had an economic expansion now for the last 11 years. And if we look back to the 1900s going forward now to 2019, it seems about every 10 to 15 years that the company, excuse me, that the um, country actually goes through a recession. And so since we know that ahead of time, then now's the time to start stockpiling cash, minimizing your debt, okay, because we know that a recession will eventually come. Okay. Also, uh, recessions can affect small business more than larger businesses because sometimes they don't have the resources to um, weather a downturn as well. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, it's all about just being prepared. So it's a small business could lose a big contract or lose a key employee. Recession is in there as well. It's bad things that could potentially happen. So having that line of credit, having that dry powder, 
and the reserves is, is necessary to, to weather those storms. Gotcha. Dry powder. Yeah. What's that? You know, like dry gunpowder. <laughs> it's like an old phrase. <laughs> Going back to muskets. Dry powder. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Cash. So, Lori, like how Cash. should a small... <laughs> Cash money. Cash. Okay, gotcha. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Lori, how should a small business prepare? Because, I mean, Greg alluded to preparation being really important. How should we be preparing for the downturn? That's a great question. Um, in many cases, business owners hunker down and they feel fortunate if they survive a downturn. But instead, you can take the strong route. And this means that you are proactive, that you start preparing now. And taking the longer view, what do you want your company to look like in three years? And backing off of that, what do you need to do now in year one, two, and three to make that happen? Now that you've got the plan, how do you finance it? Restructure your costs. Take stronger control of your balance sheet, especially your expenses. Streamline your business. Get rid of what doesn't work. And now that you've got the cash, where do you invest it? Prioritize your customers and your prospects. Who do you go after that has the highest likelihood of doing more business with you? Increase your marketing spend. And keep investing in improving your customer experience. While your competition is reducing all of these things, you increase. Studies show that not only will your performance be more powerful, through the recession, but it catapults you for the recovery afterwards. Nice. Anybody want to add to that? I, I would add that I, when you when you think of trying to be more prepared for what could be coming into the future, it means that you need to do continuous planning. Mm -hmm. And so that means that you need to be agile, you need to empower your employees that are working directly with the customers to identify what are some of the changes that they're hearing, what are some of the things that customers are providing feedback on that you can then be more dynamic to pivot to better prepare for what could come. So I think it's really important for companies to really hunker down and look at what they can, you know, be agile and flexible and even looking at their controls and the different measurements that they put in place to ensure that they're able to weather what could be coming in the future. Mm -hmm. So it, it just struck me that a lot of what you all are sharing are things that as small businesses we probably should be doing anyway because Absolutely. of the, the yeah. inherent risks that we have because so often you know, we may be relying upon that big government contract. And that could go away over mm -hmm. time or competition comes in. And so it sounds like it's like we just we need to do more of the same, but it's it's also a nice uh, reminder of some of the things that we should be doing already, you know, customer experience and empowering our employees, making sure that we have plenty of cash, reducing our debt, things like that. Mm -hmm. Or am I totally off base? So no, so what is it that what should we shift? Is there anything where you're like, okay, this is probably what you're not doing now, but you absolutely need to be doing this like in the future as you prepare for a recession. Well, I think that we're moving towards an increasingly technological age. Mm -hmm. And so 
if you are looking to hire employees, you need to make sure that they are digitally savvy. Mm -hmm. And if it means that you also need to look at who you have, if you're not looking to just replace employees, but you want to retrain your employees mm -hmm. that you already have and show that you value what they bring to the table, then it means really investing in making sure that they're up to speed with the changes that are going on or getting ready to take place with the economy. Awesome. So what are some of the, um, as we're preparing, and you alluded to the preparation, who are some of the centers of influence or professional services or resources that we should be tapping into at this time? I mean, I'm a banker, so I'm going to say a banker is very important. <laughs> uh, it, no, I mean, having a, a relationship with your bank in, in, in a world of technology and 800 numbers, um, you know, when, it, when you're a small business, uh, capital, access to capital is everything. And banking, uh, like a lot of other service providers, the stronger re the relationship that you have with your bank, um, the better poised you're going to be to, to get that, that capital. And, you know, that bank is hopefully going to stand with you uh, in, in good economic times and in, in bad economic times. And a lot of that is based on the, on the history as well. So, um, you know, knowing your banker, having a relationship, uh, knowing that bankers, you know, management and, and the local management of that, uh, that bank is also critical. Mm -hmm. um, and also aligning yourself with a bank that is traditionally performed very well in up and down cycles. So what are some of the things, like if I'm shopping banks and if I'm trying to, to build a strong relationship, are there a couple of key things that I should ask myself in terms of, okay, is this the right bank for me? Mm -hmm. Because I know not all banks are created equally. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, they all have money. But it's to your point, how do we go practically, how do we go about building strong relationships? And what are the questions that we should perhaps ask a banker to determine if that's the right bank for us? So my favorite story is one, uh, a government contractor that uh, came to M&T when I was a branch manager in Clarksville, probably in 2009. He sat down at my desk and he had four sheets of questions mm -hmm. and he was interviewing local banks and bankers. Wow. And I thought um, that was really cool because mm -hmm. he was very concerned that he was finding you know, a good fit and he was asking questions about um, you know, our, our, our numbers, our SBA numbers. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, M&T is the largest SBA lender in greater Washington, just to plug right there. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, he wanted to make sure that um, the bank was focused on the small business space. He wanted to make sure that um, we had a local decision-making power. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make sure that we were involved in the community, and he wanted to make sure that we worked with other businesses like uh, his, mm -hmm. and he actually asked for references um, as well, and I thought that was a, a really neat thing. So I would encourage everyone to, you know, ask their banker for for references and, and make sure that they're familiar with working uh, with other similar uh, businesses. Okay. Now, Rod, Greg made the eloquent but very subtle plug about how MT. What does SBA <laughs> do to really help? in terms of lending and assisting in business okay. growth. Well, let me go back a minute because he talked about banking, mm -hmm. but small business owners actually should have a good CPA, mm -hmm. a good banker, mm -hmm. and a good attorney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just like you're interviewing your banker, you should interview the attorney and you should interview the CPA. Not every CPA, let's use government contracting as an example, not every CPA firm specializes in government contracting or nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So you need to know that going in. Every bank 
doesn't do government contracting, nonprofit lending, or real estate lending. Mm -hmm. So you need to know that going in. Um, another thing to look at is what is their CRA score? Absolutely. Okay. Is it satisfactory? Did they fail? I mean, those are the things that you need to take a look at also when you're, when you're choosing a bank. Now, in a down economy, it may make sense to use the SBA. All right. And our two signature programs are the 7A program and the 504 program. Now, a lot of companies use the 504 program to purchase real estate and equipment and in the off chance that you want to take the chance to construct your own building. Um, they use the five companies use the 504 for that. The 7A program has many different programs within it. So, for example, we have a line of credit for construction companies. There's a line of credit for retailers that have seasonal needs. There's a line of credit for government contractors. Okay, so it's important for you to know that going in. So when you go into the bank, you can say, I'm a construction contractor, I'm doing $2 million in revenue, and I lead a line of credit because now I've just started a new construction um, project. And that SBA will offer me anywhere from a 50% to a 90% guarantee, which the bank loves, right? Because they get to increase their loan volume and yet minimize their risk and put money out on the street to you all. Awesome. So are there other ways outside of the, the money, which is a powerful That's thing. important, right? <laughs> the, the businesses need money to stimulate the local economy. But okay. what, what other ways? Well, were you going to yeah, say something? Yeah, I was going to say that, yes, they need the money, but they also need good advisors. And mm -hmm. so I think this is yeah. where a lot of times businesses, particularly small businesses, miss the mark when they in not recognizing that there are SBA resource partners like the Small Business Development mm -hmm. Centers, Women Business Centers, SCORE, um, VBOX, yeah. um, that out there that actually do not charge for counseling services um, and they can utilize that as a way to really guide their path to make sure that they're even going to the right lender because you know they can actually utilize the business counselor to identify what is the right business institute banking institution um, that is a best fit for their companies. Um, and also looking at, you know, from a bird's eye view, how can they remove themselves from, themselves from working in their business to working mm -hmm. on it? And so having that kind of expertise, um, giving them guidance as they're looking to really grow and scale their company and weather the storm, the pending storm that mm -hmm. we know is coming, mm -hmm. um, it makes sense to utilize those kinds of resources. Wow, awesome. Now, and Kaisha, since we're on you, one of mm. the things that I know that you're passionate about, too, is global enterprise and perhaps as a small business, really diversifying by looking globally. Absolutely. So why does it make sense for a small business to engage in global business? Well, when you consider that, what, 96, 97% of your clients are outside of the U.S., mm -hmm. it makes sense to look at that outside market as a way to grow. And so when you're also looking at a domestic market that is potentially facing a coming recession, mm -hmm. there may be an outside market that is booming. 
And now you're missing an opportunity to take advantage of that boom in market because you're only focused locally. And so one of the things that we do at the Women's Business Center is provide guidance for companies to let them broaden their scope of how they can grow and scale their companies. And that would mean looking outside. And so I think there's uh, the whole mystery around international business and exporting and so forth. And a lot of times people think that only products are exportable Mm -hmm. items or exportable services. And actually services are another way that companies can look at exporting. And so one of the things that we'll do is give them the guidance, connect them to the right, the right resources. So you have um, under the Department of Commerce, the U.S. Export Assistance Center. You have through the, um, the, the, the um, Department of Commerce within the state of Maryland. They have a, an export program, an international program. Um, there's a lot of resources out there that can provide that guidance for companies so that they understand you know, who they can be connecting with, provide that kind of insurance and, and, and guarantee that they're making the right connections in the right economies. Now, and so that sounds amazing and very glamorous. Mm-hmm. I'm glo- going global. Yeah. But what are some of the concerns that a, a small business should have as they're looking to the global market as well? Because then, you know, there's a lot of research that probably needs to get done in terms mm-hmm. of the stability of that right. particular marketplace. Right. Um, so what are some of those well, chief concerns? Yeah, one of consider? the things that we hear is, you know, intellectual property um, you know, issues Mm, that could come up. So, you know, you may have proprietary information and you're, you know, um, getting it, you know, maybe it's a product and you're getting it manufactured overseas. And so now you're concerned about them taking that idea and running with it. Mm -hmm. So there has to be, you know, controls. There needs to be protections that are put in place. Um, There are organizations, there's agencies out there to provide, you know, that kind of protection, whether it's the patent and trade office or, you know, um, working with agencies like I said, USIAC, they have a goal key program Mm -hmm. that can ensure that you're making the right business connections because they do the due diligence research. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways. I think another thing that people think is, well, I don't speak the language, so why am I going to go into this economy? But there are resources and there's ways you can get around it. And so I think the key thing is really identifying who is out there, what resources are out there that can provide that guidance for me so that I'm not in it alone. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I think to follow up on that, um, that whatever country that you're doing business in besides the United States, because since you live here, you're familiar with the culture, Right. you're familiar with the political situation, as well as um, where things are at in the economic cycle, but different countries have different cultures. That's right. They have different political situations, as well as um, uh, their economy may be doing much better or much worse than ours, so mm-hmm. all those things are going to affect your business. Right. So when you are thinking about work, um, uh, doing business overseas, which again, I agree with you, it's very exciting. <laughs> you just want to be cognizant of these yeah. other factors Absolutely. because they affect how you market in that country, they mm-hmm. affect how you sell in that country, mm-hmm. and who your target audience is. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, for those of you that are in the television studio, the microphone is here, so feel free to make your way if you have a question. Now, since we're on the topic of global, um, are there particular countries where we have found um, historically they're the easier entry points? Like if I want to dip my toe in the global pool, are there particular countries that I would consider first perhaps? 
A lot of people, I think, automatically think of Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. right next door. Right. You know, they speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think th- that's a more comfortable option for a lot of people. I think people also think of Mexico, again, right next door. Um, so I think those are the natural kind of markets that people will probably gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Africa is booming right mm-hmm. now, you know, and there is a lot of opportunities um, that I think get often overlooked because they think, well, you know, I'm not too familiar with it. And I absolutely agree um, with Laura that it is a situation where you need to understand the dynamics of the country. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things to consider, um, which is, again, why I say that you need to tap into the resources that are out there to give you that guidance so you're not just stepping out there without any background knowledge. And so it means even developing an export strategy. You know, what markets are the appropriate ones um, to initially look at engaging in? And, you know, um, what programs are out there, like, the again, the Gold Key program that can provide that matchmaking opportunity knowing that it's a screen company. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Questions? Hi, yes. So my name is C. Marie Taylor, Leadership Montgomery. My question is, we work with a bunch of small businesses that support our organization, and some of them are starting to be a little leery about future support. So if you have any advice that we could give to them, that would be awesome. Thank you. Let's look to our money men. What advice would you give? Well, actually, I tell them to start at SBA.gov because it's a wealth of information out there for them. And one of the things that I, I wanted to mention earlier as we talk about risk, because as bankers and the SBA, what we, we like to minimize risk. Right. One of the things that you want to do to minimize the risk for your company is actually to have business interruption insurance. I think we all remember the government shutdown mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year where contractors weren't getting paid. Okay, <laughs> And so if you have business interruption insurance, then you really don't have to worry about laying off your employees. Mm-hmm because you will you can continue to pay your employees while the shutdown is occurring. So take a look at all your insurances. The other thing that that you also hear about in the paper is how companies are constantly being hacked. Mm-hmm. So do you have insurance for your intellectual property? Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that's important to have. So take a look at your insurance policy for your company to see what it covers. But to go back to the original question, go out to SBA.gov. There's information about the Small Business Development Centers, the Women Business Centers, the um, retired executives, and then you have people like myself that will actually, and feel free to do this, you can send your financial statements to me at Roderick Johnson at SBA.gov. I will take a look at your package and then determine uh, make a determination on what financial institutions that I can send your deal to so that you can get the proper financing. If you don't have a law firm, I have a list of law firms, depending on your industry, that I can um, guide you toward. And then for CPAs, I have an extensive list of CPA firms, if you don't have a CPA firm, that I can also refer you to because I want to make sure that you're getting the proper guidance as you're continuing to grow your business. And, and just to add to that, it's that networking effect. You know, mm-hmm. think of your banker, 
um, your your attorney, your CPA, as someone that is co- very connected and they have a network in the community. Everybody on this stage is happy to make introductions for small businesses. So that's Absolutely. the fun part of our jobs. Right. That's the strategic yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, you know, we do the boring banking stuff, but what we really enjoy doing is introducing other small businesses to other small businesses from a business development standpoint. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Next question. Hi. Name is Zubin David with KLNB Commercial Real Estate. And my question to the panel is, you know, you see the rising costs for business owners with specific health insurance um, benefits, as well as uh, cost of employees, you know, the minimum wage continue. How do you advise business owners to navigate these exceedingly high costs? Thank you. I I was going to bring up a point earlier, um, especially when we're talking about small business, it's Mm -hmm. paramount that the, the business owner doesn't have too many balls in the air on their personal side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about the strength of the balance sheet of the company, mm-hmm. but in a small business, uh, the, the business owner is that small business. And mm-hmm. if there's excessive spending, if there's lavish lifestyles, um, these are the things you need to kind of cut back on now mm-hmm. so you do have that dry powder um, when something bad happens. So I, I would say um, that that's a preparation kind of strategy or something to at least evaluate. I would also say be creative. One small business that I know about, in order to defeat the high cost of health care, they basically said to their employees, we will give you a stipend each month for your health insurance so that everybody could go get the solution that worked best for them and their family. And also another small business, they actually had a deal with a doctor and a clinic. And so um, those that wanted to could go there. And it was alternative health clinic. And that seemed to work very well for them. So uh, the bottom line here is to be open to different options. And if I could just add to those comments, I would say also get involved. Um, particularly here, you know, in Montgomery County, Absolutely. you know, oftentimes legislation gets passed um, absent the input of the small business community. It's not yeah. until after the legislation mm-hmm. is passed that the business community is up in arms and then articulates, oh, my goodness, this minimum wage increase is going to kill me. It's going put, right. to put me out of business. And so I would say making sure that we're tapping into our local chambers of commerce um, because they are here to advocate on our behalf and to support us. And, you know, we've got to be more vocal about how some legislations will negatively impact our businesses so that then the legislators are more aware of and they can be more proactive and preemptive to keep us in business. Absolutely. Next question. Hi, Susan Schramm, Go to Market Impact. I heard you all say themes of have a brain trust and do scenario planning. That's pretty much what all of you are talking about. The balance between doing that for my current business versus taking the risk of doing something new in a storm cloud environment, how would you guide people the balance between optimizing your current approach versus launching entirely new initiatives? Okay, I just have to jump in with this. There are examples of many companies that got started during a recession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. HP, CNN, Hyatt, Burger King. So um, maybe you do some additional things to reduce your risk, but don't let that stop you. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. That's great advice. Last question. Hi, uh, my name is Farhad Nasser. I'm with the Nofa Business Consulting. My question is, as a, a small business owner, how do I know there is a recession coming in? Huh. Typically, if you just listen to the news and, and, and you know, you're, you're reading your newspaper, jobs are slowing down, construction starts, right, for homes are, are going down. Um, sometimes the um, fluctuation in the stock market, because right now we're in a booming stock market. Pay attention to what's going on in the stock market. Um, actually, look at the indicators from the Department of Commerce, because they come out, I think it's once a month, where you have monthly indicators of what's going on in the economy. So pay attention to those indicators, and that'll give you a pretty good feel for if we're getting ready to go in, go into a recession. Just remember, minimize your debt. Mm-hmm. Stockpile cash mm-hmm. on the business side. Learn to operate your business more efficiently, mm-hmm. okay? On the personal side, and I look for this all the time on the personal financial statement, you know, minimize the toys, mm-hmm. okay? The 35-foot yacht, okay? The Maserati mm-hmm. and all those things. Get a Min- you know, min- <laughs> yeah. minimize the toys, okay? Because debt and the toys can actually be a detriment um, during the tough times of a recession. And I would also, just to piggyback on that, I would also say diversify. So don't just only look at cash, look at other things that you could invest in, whether it's gold, whether it's silver, whether it's other things. Diversify. Don't keep all your money in one bucket. Because if anything happens and the dollar bottoms out, what are you going to have to fall back on? So that's the only thing that I would add to that as well. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website, kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of the Boost Podcast. Podcast.